When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast that urges caution because I make frequent tops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. We're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today... Today... We're talking to a lesbian. <laughs> And her friend. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love it if we started referring to Derek and Romaine as a lesbian and her friend. Yeah. Uh, Derek and Romaine are going to be on to talk about gay and lesbian friendships. Our arch nemeses. Yes. They, I, we, are, we are trying to make them ours. They don't. I don't think they. Yeah, we are not theirs. Yeah, they don't care about us at all. <laughs> we'll see. We'll try to piss them off somehow during this episode. But first. But first. I'm not doing local gay bar review again this episode, and I forgot to last week. It will be back next week, I promise. I've got a fuck ton of local gay bar reviews to share with y'all. So thank you for the DMs saying that you miss it. It will be back, Uh I promise. And now the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News. 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 Okay, Kyle. Anne Heche is dead. (laughs) <laughs> that yep we got to talk about it okay okay yeah um so so Anne Heche died on friday on the 12th of august at least under california law her body has been kept alive it, just for the purposes of organ donation which is actually super interesting to me how organ donation is in the news a lot and it's because of her and hmm. this whole process and um a friend of mine marcy who used to work in organ donation said that after robin williams died there was like a measurable increase in donations for like a year after his death wow and that a similar bump is being seen because of this very public process with her and Heish. yeah thanks. Uh, she was 53 years old and spent several days in a coma after crashing her car into a house in los angeles uh, she was in critical condition following the incident and then did not did not survive. She also is quite famous for her relationship with comedian Ellen DeGeneres. And that's the gayish angle here. It's not just that like the gays love her and her work. It's <laughs> that she she is she is a a gay um, um, or not totally straight. I don't know what what whatever whatever terminology we're using these days. Anyway. Uh, in 1997, she and Ellen DeGeneres started uh, dating, and um, I didn't know this, but apparently she was told by Fox Studio executives for uh, the premiere of her film Volcano that her contract would be terminated if she brought DeGeneres to the premiere. Wow. And, quote, I brought Ellen despite those threats, and we were escorted out of the theater before the lights came on. Out of her own film screening? Yep, by security, and not allowed to attend the premiere party because they did not want any photos of us together. Damn. The difference between what would happen today and what happened then is that I would not have been ushered out of my own premiere and fired from a multi-million dollar picture deal with Fox for taking a girl as my date. Yeah. That's it's you know we there are businesses that were like annoyed how they are just performatively supportive and that's because not too long ago they did this shit yes they're on board now but that's because they won't get the backlash that they right. believe they would have gotten before right. so it's like how how recently have you been supporting LGBT rights because if it's like yeah chill out and not add like not market that so hard if it's only been like a decade or yeah, yeah. and why are humans' memories so bad like people 
yes, things have been a lot better in the last five years or whatever, post Obergefell even, if you want to say that. But they were very much not good in like, <laughs> recent memory. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, you get a lot of credit for doing these great things, but also you got a lot of bad shit to make up for, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, you didn't do it yet. You didn't do it yet. This yeah. I very much remember Anne Heche and Ellen DeGeneres being in the news. That must have been one of the earliest examples I saw of LGBT people. This is, you know, that's... Get very that's like what I think about when I think about Anne Heche is that kind of moment in time that was big and everyone talked about it yeah yeah well and Ellen apparently you know she's been controversial lately but Anne said about her time with Ellen DeGeneres that quote it was a beautiful part of my life and that I wear with honor I was part of a revolution that created social change and I could not have done that without falling in love with her Mm-hmm. Ellen uh, expressed her condolences on Twitter. "Quote: This is a sad day. I'm sending Anne's children, family, and friends all of my love." Mm. News the second. Yeah. Okay. Great. Do you think any of my relationships are going to be like, you know, help the progress and development of LGBT people? Like, who can be like my relationship was like newsworthy and important for the advancements of our rights? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean. No, that's fine. We can move on. I'm. I'm really good at getting a divorce. I don't know. What the- <laughs> Very notable. I mean, that's helped our show. That's been some great fodder for our show. Maybe that's the best I can know for is that it, I get some fodder from a show. Everyone, be in a relationship with me. You might turn into fodder. How is temporary cat boy? <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a little bit. All right. Well, news the second. Great, please. <laughs> the World Health Organization is going to rename monkeypox. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there are concerns that the current name which is monkeypox, um, might be generating stigma and discrimination. Mm. Uh, The WHO met with a group of global experts this week, and uh, they decided that monkeypox needs to be renamed, quote, to avoid causing offense to any cultural, social, national, regional, professional, or ethnic groups and minimize any negative impact on trade, travel, tourism, or animal welfare. Yeah, I saw a news story that was like, stop attacking monkeys. monkeys. Like, <laughs> it's so dumb how people, the, a na- the name has such a big, like, I don't know, maybe in general don't attack monkeys, but like, this is not how this happens. Right. It's, it smacks of when COVID was being called the China virus by yeah. dipshit McGee, everybody started beating up Asian people. Like, yeah. fucking just stop. Yeah. That not only is that horrible, that doesn't help. That's not how this works. They didn't do anything. Like, it's, your fists Wild. are not made out of penicillin, you dipshit. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the WHO has not given any time frame on when Monkeypox will be officially renamed, but that it will take effect immediately when they do. <laughs> <laughs> they announced their intention to rename, and in the future, when it is announced, it will start. Yeah. <laughs> that's thanks, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's useful to know that they're on it. And- yeah. And also, p- part of it is... Somebody asked me just this morning about like, well, why, why did it get called that in the first place, and why rename it? That's dumb. Mm. But but it's because the monkeypox was named in 1958 when we had less sensibilities about mm. things like, will this make people attack monkeys? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's just it's been around for a really long time, and uh, I don't know if people knew that. Like like monkeypox mm. is new in Western society. It's new in the United States. It is not a new disease. It's been around for a a long ass time which is why it's been sort of easier to get in front of like from a treatment 
perspective um, than COVID was, which was just like brand new. We had no idea about any of it at all. <laughs> yeah. And John um, Oliver did a really great segment on monkeypox where he talks about we were set up perfectly to test our system because we had all the resources we need to manage this and we failed. Yep. Yep. We failed. Great. Failing is always. <laughs> um, monkeypox has so far disproportionately impacted queer men, though health es- experts have emphasized that anyone can get monkeypox, warning against reinforcing homophobic and racist stereotypes. Um, it's also, especially in the Southeast, particularly pre- prevalent in um, uh, people of color. Hmm. Um, so queer people of color are like double, double fucked yeah. per use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. When we should have a contest of what you want to rename it to. Oh my god! It's. It, I mean, let's just go ahead and call it Bodie McBoatface now and get, get on with it. I can skip you the trouble. God, I don't trust the internet to vote on something for a heavy topic like monkeypox. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, news the third. Yeah. News the last. Ooh. Yeah. News the last. Uh, have you been following this Hamilton stuff? No. Okay. So uh, Hamilton. Of Hamilton fame. Of Hamilton fame. (laughs) Um, Apparently, a church in McAllen, Texas, has made their own version, which is an illegal and unauthorized rendition in which they added homophobic comments. um, And When I saw Hamilton, I was like, this isn't offensive to me enough, you know? I really want you to (laughs) dig into some anti-gay shit. Yep, yep. uh, Yeah, So, so this church did... This fucked up version. It's called Door McKellen Church. And they live streamed their version of the Broadway musical. It had a bunch of biblical references added to it, included homophobic language in it. And at the end of the play, the associate pastor of the church, Victor Lopez, gave a closing sermon disgracing homosexuality. Um, so Lynn Manuel Miranda, who wrote it, said, uh, not cool. <laughs> don't don't do that. Um Quote, no writer's work, whether they are a student who has just written their first play or Lin-Manuel Miranda can be performed without their permission. And it is never okay to change the words, lyrics, or notes without their express consent. So then the church said, but we got legal permission to produce the show. To which a Hamilton spokesperson said... No, you did not. <laughs> uh, quote, Hamilton does not grant amateur or professional licenses for any stage productions and did not grant one to the Door Church. Mm. Um, I- I- anyway, the, quote, the Hamilton family stands for tolerance, compassion, inclusivity, and certainly LGBTQ plus rights. We are in the process of reviewing the unauthorized changes made to the script to determine further action. We would like to thank our devoted fans for bringing this to our attention. Mark my words... They're going to try to make a religious freedom argument Ooh, here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can do whatever we want because Jesus. Yeah. And fuck, I'm so fucking tired of that shit. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. There, you remember that section of the Bible that says reproductions of existing plays and adding homophobic <laughs> content is okay because Jesus preached it? Yeah, that's the 11th commandment. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's something interesting about doing a theater production that's anti-gay. A the- in the theater, yeah, in the theater, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, like this is our space. This is our home. How many closeted faggots do you think were involved in this? Oh, yeah, re- yeah. this production, yeah. right? Oh. And I also wonder how bad it was. Oh, like God, I want to hate watch this. So I want to hate watch it so bad, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. No, that's the news. 
Um, well, speaking of people that I don't want to hate watch, it's these Patreon members. <laughs> Thank you to our new Patreon members, Jacqueline. Thanks so, for having one name, Jacqueline. Thanks for having one, one name. And it's just fun to say Jacqueline. And Logan Benton. Oh, hey. Uh, Logan, have we decided that for sure that Logan's the hottest name? Uh, it's up there. Mm. It's definitely up there. It is for me. Um, uh, Logan? Y- no, my dick. Um, uh, if that- you, <laughs> <laughs> There's no hotter name than Logan for you? I think... And uh, maybe Hunter? I don't know. Okay. Okay. All if right. you want to join to see if your name is hot, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Get benefits like episodes a day early, bonus stuff, ad-free episodes, and, you know, your name read. Yeah. Great. Do it. All right. Do you want to talk about gay and lesbian friendships? Let's talk about gay and lesbian friendships. First, Kyle. First, Mike. Do you have any lesbian friends? <laughs> I... <laughs> I had my lesbian friends here in Seattle, and then they moved. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, was no. that your fault? <laughs> <laughs> they no, they said it wasn't me; it was them. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I do. I think all my female, I have, um, I don't have lesbian friends, but I do have queer female friends or yeah. bi female friends. Yeah, yeah, same, same. My. Um, my trainer used to be a lesbian powerlifter, and she was terrifying, and I loved her so much. And I think that we were friends, mostly because I worked really hard to not piss her off. <laughs> I mean, if you're paying her, though, are they your friend? Our That's episode a- about sex work is going to come up here yes. in a few months, <laughs> yeah, y'all. Yeah, surely. Um, and surely, that's a good lesbian name. That is. A- um, <laughs> and do you hear about people's view even within the community of gays and lesbians being friends i have heard that it's like cats and dogs sometimes you can force them to hang out but it probably is going to end with somebody getting bit (laughs) hey everyone (laughs) please don't bite lesbians (laughs) um yeah there's this weird i see this online and from within the lgbt community of like gays and lesbians don't mix and like there so we'll talk more about that uh, Derek and Romaine, yeah. a gay and a lesbian, we'll talk about their friendship and, and we'll dig into this more. But I read on their Wikipedia article, they did not know each other when they started the show. Yeah. But, yeah. So you know, buckle up for that. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I'll, also, I know that the gay rights movement had a lot of like the gay men and the lesbians were f- clashing a lot about like how best to approach the problem of gay rights mm-hmm. and what kinds of demonstrations were appropriate the Mattachine Society and the Daughters of Belitis like definitely had their rift yeah and um so anyway yeah, yeah. I was going to talk about uh one thing from history that I think is most important when talking about our relationship and <clears throat> that was the one that I looked at didn't didn't dig too much into but uh yeah the gay liberation from the early 70s had a bunch of lesbians walk out in protest at some of the gay men who took on leadership roles because of their sexism. There was even, I did not know this. Was it because somebody tried to call the, the organization GILF? Gays I'd like to fuck? Grandma I'd like to fuck. Why grandma? I don't, because it, otherwise it would be a different letter than G. It's the Gay Liberation Front. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you partial no, credit. Cut, cut all of this. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Apparently that started a separate lesbian liberation movement that included separate pride marches in the 80s. I did not know this. Great. But um, 
other what I actually wanted to talk about is uh, lesbians during the AIDS crisis. Yeah, I just have randomly seen this even after deciding to do this topic. Like it's shown up on Reddit even just today. I saw a post about like, did you know that lesbians worked tirelessly during the AIDS crisis, even though they were not as affected as gay men? So I'll I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the things that lesbians did during the AIDS crisis is they took on roles in healthcare and that was sometimes because doctors would not treat uh, AIDS patients. Like think about, you know, when we had, I almost said Diana Ross, princess Diana, (laughs) um, go into the hospital and like touch someone's hand, you know, and that was big news. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they were working in healthcare roles that were much needed for gay men. She did die. Uh, Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Wow. It was there all along. We never yeah. saw it. Um, I didn't know she was a lesbian either, so <laughs> we could start that rumor. I don't know. I get that. You know, like that queen pussy? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Only a lady can hit that right. Um, this is serious and important. Um, and not just healthcare roles, but the role of some people's families, especially yeah. during this time, would not see them. Maybe they got kicked out or you know disowned. So being yeah. there for mental support, emotional support, friendship, uh, that was really important. Uh, they famously donated blood. One of the kind of most recognized or, or thing that kind of kicked this off was the Blood Sisters that were based in San Diego. They held drives to and made sure that you could designate where you wanted blood to go. They designated blood for AIDS and HIV patients to make sure they got enough blood. That's pretty great. Yeah. Does it still work that way? It seems it seems it's good don't get me wrong it's super super good like they need blood we have blood let's give them blood them specifically yeah but also it seems maybe problematic that like you can decide yeah like you get my kidney kyle and nobody else (laughs) i would like no republican to get this kidney (laughs) yeah yeah that could open uh, you know you know at least for this moment i'm glad it was there yeah they have to say hail satan before they can have my blood (laughs) (laughs) um that's my rule right now while i'm alive so nothing changes um and also activism you know think of the debilitating effects it has on the gay men's ability to do things the number of people that are out there who while like we're fighting this who can go fight for the government to do something about it or care and for for people to know so there was a lot of activism on the part of lesbians uh, to help fight for things that needed to change i as i was reading up on this i just noted any of the challenges that they faced during this process Mm. and okay so first there are challenges during the AIDS crisis that we already know about, like I mentioned, government inaction or the homophobia or it was unknown. So they, you know, of course, had to deal with all those. And they're also like opting into dealing with this. You could sure. very much step out of this and kind of not not have to think about it as much. Yes, it affects our entire community. But there's a level of like, I'm going to step into all of this shittiness that's going on and and be a part of it. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had to deal with, especially being in the healthcare area, the grief and the burnout that came during that time like i can't even imagine how much how many people like they are watching people die they're the ones taking care of people um that god that that is a separate challenge of supporting people that are in this kind of crisis yeah absolutely we saw that during covid too right like like hospitals full of dying people and and just no one giving people the resources they need to do it better and just expecting them to make it happen somehow yep yep there was also misogynistic pushback from gay men during this time i'm sure there was saying that gay men should be leading this fight not lesbians yeah 
Which, I mean, yeah, uh, of course. Then step up and do it. Yeah. Gays. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of those things like, man, if someone's helping you during the time of AIDS. Yeah. God, you have to be so sexist to not let them help. Right. Yeah. They got backlash sometimes from lesbians themselves saying that they were abandoning lesbians or women's issues by working on this thing that was a predominantly gay and bisexual men's disease. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a big absence. All of this work and a lot of this happened behind the scenes. It was not noted. It was not, you know, a lot of this was not an official role. So the lack of recognition, which I think, you know, there have been, you know, movies or, or more talk of lesbians role during the AIDS, AIDS crisis that I've seen. Um, but, you know, a lot of it went unnoticed, unrecognized, mm. unrecorded. Mm. Um, so it, that's why I thought it was a particularly important thing. There's there's so many things that we could talk about with gays and lesbians and their friendship. But that just seemed like a particularly big, um, big point in our history to yeah. talk about how they very much came together, came with us, help. Like we were part of this community together that was like, we got to help each other out. Yeah. Got to help your neighbor. It also goes to show that you can never not piss someone off. Right. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. Fucking fighting for AIDS should be the most heroic, <laughs> you know, everyone respects it kind of thing. But no, nope, nope. nope. So great. Um, a documentary I would recommend I watched uh, a while ago is five B. It is about the nurses and Tate. Uh, caregivers that operated the first AIDS ward in San Francisco General Hospital. Oh, okay. 5B. 5B. B-boy. Sure. Great. <laughs> Bareback. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. We're just saying things that start with B, right? Um, uh, yeah, that's a good thing to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Well, thanks. You're no problem. Uh, so we're going to have a lesbian on the show and her friend. <laughs> and her friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> Who have been doing this shit far longer than us and yeah, yeah. have actually won things about what they've done. So uh, step aside, you and I. Really, we have the ovaries to like to thank for the fact that they're still running in the podcast awards. Mm. If, I, think, I think if they had won one more time, they would have been retired from the oh. category and then the, the ovaries fucked it up. Fucking lesbians, man. <laughs> Maybe the stereotypes are true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go check out If These Ovaries Could Talk. It's a good show. Friends of the show. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, maybe they're... they're we maybe do have a lot of podcast friends that are lesbians, right? Like with Bad so. Queers and Hot Takes with Hot Dykes and we've, you know, uh, the, the ovaries. Um, yeah. So... We, we like them. Yeah. We think they're chill. And a virtual podcast life is just as good as real life. There, I mean, especially during COVID, there was a time where it was like, I'm better friends with you, podcaster, than I am with regular humans who I can't physically see. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway, um, do you want to take a break and yeah. come back with Derek Romain? Yeah. When we come back, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Derek and Romain of Derek and Romain. Yeah. <laughs> take a break. <laughs> Let's take a break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Are you ready? Yep. So are we back? We're back. We're back. <laughs> uh, we are here with, as we introduced them prior to the break, a lesbian and her friend, Derek and Romaine, of the Derek and Romaine show on the Derek and Romaine network. <laughs> Derek and Romaine, thanks for being here. Uh, uh, thanks th- for having us. Thank you. Normally, it's the reverse. Uh, we have this friend, Frank, because our show is Derek and Romaine, and uh, we were out like at a party and he was there and Ro- he and Romaine were disagreeing about something. And he said, who cares what you think? Your first name is and, and uh, <laughs> so normally it's the reverse, but if I have to be and today, 
make and a you do. egg in my it's, mouth and we'll love it. Okay. It's only uh, been how many years? I think for one day you can be and. Uh, fine. So, remain and dare. So for, for our listeners that might be new to you and your show and your community, how, how many years has it been? Ugh, so many years. Uh, uh, almost 20. It'll almost be, 20, yeah. Yeah, it'll be 20 in April of 2023. Fun fact, our show launched on the day of the Iraq war. So Aww. that's for for people who don't understand the passage of time. That's how long ago it was a long time. It was your fault. Derek's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have been talking today about lesbians and gays and whether they can they can actually be friends or not, or if it's like cats and dogs living together. Out of curiosity, do you think that the stereotype that lesbians and gays can't be friends holds up under scrutiny? No, I don't think so. Not even a little bit. Derek, what do you think? Well, I don't uh, in a in a broader sense. No, uh, but I do think on an individual basis, there's definitely some uh, sexism in the gay male community uh, about, you know, gay men who don't want to hang out with lesbians or women in general and vice versa. But I think that that's an extremely small subset. Uh, you know, I. You know, even before we did our show, I was also working in gay media. Remain also worked with other, you know, gay organizations and everything for years. And all of them were a mix of LGBTQ people and everybody got along great. And so, I, yeah, I think that the instances where it is true, I think, are overblown. I think it's very small. Well, there are those lesbians that hate men in general, like not even necessarily gay men, but men. Yeah, I'm not valid. one of those, but they're again, like Derek said, they're very few and far between. <laughs> okay, so it, it does sound like though you've both heard this kind of idea or stereotype that gay men and lesbians can't be friends. Have you have you heard this just in the community? Well, of course you have. I think a lot of it stems from like the gay bar era, right? Where we all where once upon a time, in order to meet each other, we had to go to gay bars. And that's where we went looking for love, looking for friendship, looking for everything. And the gay guys were like, I don't need these lesbians all up in my biz while I'm trying to get my D on. And the ladies are like, ew, gay guys and their penises stay away. Uh, plus, they're all a bunch of whores and we want to marry and like live together forever with our 900 cats. So I think there was a separation that was created kind of naturally because of the gay bar scene. Lesbians were over here. Gay boys were over here, uh, you know, and everyone else in between. Good luck. Good, find, <laughs> find where you belong. I don't know where that is. Like a junior uh, high so dance. Think, yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's really where it all kind of started. I mean, I could be wrong, but that that's my thought on it. What I, do you think, Derek? He, uh, yeah, I would just say that I think that there is a there is a certain truth to there are unwelcoming spaces, whether it's a gay or lesbian bar where the other part of the community is not really welcome there. The women's music festival, which has very strict rules about, uh, you know, no men. Uh, and there's been a whole issue with trans women related to that. Uh, so I think that there, there are definitely places, there are pockets where this is true. And, you know, when I was living in West Hollywood, my friend Michael and I used to go uh, out and about, and obviously we preferred going to the gay male bars, but he wanted to hang out. At, there was a lesbian bar uh, there on Santa Monica Boulevard, and he was like a tiny little hole in the wall. And he really wanted to go and hang out there because uh, he liked hanging out with women, lesbians. But they charged us a cover at the door. They did not charge the women a cover. They charged us a cover. And they like quizzed us, 
you know, this is a lesbian bar, right? And we ran inside. <laughs> and while we were in the bar, like the bartenders were friendly and everything, but anywhere we stood in the bar, the women moved away. Like we were destroying their property values by standing <laughs> too close to them. Uh, so that happens. And then uh, years, uh, obviously many years ago, I was at the March on Washington in 93 and the lesbian Avengers were there selling T-shirts and they wouldn't sell one to me because I was a man. And I said, that's all right. My mom is here. So I'm going to send her over and buy one for me. <laughs> Wait, is your mom a lesbian? <laughs> no, but no. she was there. And well, my mom is a uh, what she calls an equal opportunity slut. So okay. <laughs> I think her sexuality is uh, you look nice. <laughs> your your we, mom? We, we should says- have our, we should have our moms meet. I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you know, for maybe for Mother's Day next year, you could have my mom on and your mom, and we could have like a mom off. I don't okay. think my mom knows the word slut. <laughs> sure, she does. No, she's <laughs> too nice. <laughs> so you all didn't start off as friends, though. I, I was was reading a little bit about how <laughs> you're the you're, meanest you're, way to say sorry. that. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not wrong. No one started out as friends. Like, yeah, no. did, we didn't start out as friends either, Kyle. We, no, we deal did. With it. We did start out as friends because we were friends before. Okay, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> you were you you met like right before the show. Like you didn't have an existing relationship beforehand, right? Can you can you say a little no. bit about like how how you got started and and <laughs> you ended up in the friendship that you have now? I'll let Derek start this one because it oh, really Lord. does start with Derek. Well, that is true. So uh, a bit it starts with me a bit. So both of us knew. Uh, guy who was starting the gay channel at Sirius Satellite Radio in 2003. He actually contacted me in 2002. And I was living in New York and he was in New York and he had previously done uh, internet radio shows and he had been trying to get me to do an internet radio show for with him, like a streaming audio show in the 90s. And I was never living in the same where he was. And it wasn't it just didn't it kept not working out. But he kept saying, you know, I really want to do a show with you. I had previously had a syndicated entertainment column. And then my syndicator didn't want me to do an internet radio show because he thought it would cannibalize the audience for the syndicated column which didn't make any sense to me but whatever and that made me money and the internet radio show didn't so i was like i'm not doing this thing and uh so he kept me sort of in mind and then in 2002 we were both in new york and he had been hired by sirius and he basically was like i want to give you a show as soon as this channel launches and so we were just sort of like going back and forth about this for a while and then we were getting close to the launch date and he wanted uh we were looking for a producer for the show and he said you know i would I think we should have a woman because all the shows on the channel are men, all white men. And, you know, this is for an LGBTQ channel. It's all G. Uh, <laughs> and I think there was like one B and one L like it was not great diversity. Yeah. So yeah. I, and I, you know, I believe in diversity. I believe in equality. So I was like, yes, uh, I think this is a great idea. And he goes, well, do you know any lesbians? And uh, I in New York, I had recently moved there and I didn't really know a lot of people. So we honestly just were like asking around. Uh, like, hey, do you know a lesbian who might be interested <laughs> in radio? Like, has some experience, and I standing with like with a sign you. on the sidewalk. <laughs> do, well, do, do you know much. a lesbian? Yeah. Do you know a lesbian? But, you know, for younger people, you know, this was twenty years ago. Uh, younger people may not realize that a lot of LGBTQ people just didn't go into media. They didn't 
get a degree in communications because there were no gay people on the radio. There were very few openly gay actors, that kind of thing. So why would you get a degree in something where you didn't think anybody like you was working? So yeah. there really were just not a lot of people with radio experience uh, or uh, had gotten degrees in communication, anything like that. So it was kind of tough, but we both asked the one lesbian that we knew, uh, Kathy Renna over at GLAAD. And the first time around, she said, no, I don't, I have no one for you. <laughs> uh, and then we were getting really close to the date and uh, like, really, Kathy, are you sure you don't have anybody for us? And so she asked around and uh, Glenda Testone, who also had worked at GLAAD, who now is in charge of the gay center in New York City. She said, hey, I think Romaine uh, has a degree in radio, which was almost true. <laughs> almost. Yeah. It sounds like it was I true enough. Well, I had just graduated from recording engineering school because I wanted to be a rock star. And uh, so oh. I'd come to New York post, uh, post school and I was tooling around the city being really irresponsible and slutty. And uh, so and I hadn't really, I really hadn't looked for a real job just yet. <laughs> and so I literally got a call from uh, the, the serious guy and he's like, Hey, listen, uh, we have this job. I, you used to come on my internet radio show all the time. I know you can talk on the radio. Uh, any interest in this job, it's yours if you want it. And I'm like, I don't even know. What is satellite radio? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I mean, it was such early days of satellite radio. Literally nobody knew what it was. So I said, well, I mean, I guess I could talk. He's like, come up to the offices, meet me in person. And uh, if you want it, it's yours. And I'm like, okay. So I got to the offices. I took one look around. And the Sirius Satellite Studios were so glamorous and so amazing that the nerd in me was like, um, yep, I'll take this job. Absolutely. Just so I could play with this equipment. Yeah. <laughs> so I took the job and uh, that, and that's how we were thrown together pretty much. Yeah. So we, we didn't know each other. We, we met one time at a bar. Uh, we went to the park in New York, which RIP doesn't exist anymore. And, um, you know, we sat and we had a conversation for hours by the fireplace there. And both of us came away thinking, you know, if we can sit and have a conversation in a bar like this, this easily for a few hours, we probably could host a radio show together. Hmm. And that was how it kicked off. Yeah. And what were your first impressions of each other? And usually I don't ask people like, based based on the gay and the lesbian angle usually i'm not being like but how gay was he or you know but just <laughs> what what were your first impressions did anything line up with the kind of stereotypes of gays and lesbians and and you know whether you could be friends with each other i'm trying to think what my first impressions of derek were i mean so i grew up with lots of gay brothers so i was always around gay men so i think i just thought oh he's just a nice gay guy he seems really friendly he's you know we got along really well. I don't. I didn't have any like uh, real standout. Like, oh, what a queer or what a fag. Like, <laughs> there wasn't anything like that. But it was just like, oh, he's a really nice gay guy. I think, I think we could work together. I mean, quickly those opinions changed. Yeah. Uh, but at first, that was probably my first thought. Oh, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> I, I honestly, we at that point, I was really just trying to get from point A to point B, and. Both of us thought, oh, this will be fun for a few months. Neither of us thought that doing a radio show was going to end up being a career 
for the next 20 years. If we had, we might have spent more time sort of investigating each other a bit more. But both of us came away with the impression of, oh, this thing, it's a new thing. Nobody's ever heard of it before. It could fail. Four months from now, we could be doing something else. And so we both were like, sure, we'll do a radio show, even though we have no experience hosting a radio show on this platform that nobody has ever heard of or knows about. And I had come from the you know, dot com space. So I had walked into many gorgeous offices of many companies that uh, had spent a lot of money on ping pong tables and everything, but didn't have a business model. So <laughs> I was like, okay, well, they spent a few billion dollars getting these satellites in the air and they have, you know, 70,000 subscribers. So the math doesn't really add up there. Uh, so we'll do this for a while and then I'll go back to other things in my career. So I don't know that we necessarily, either of us thought, well, we're going to be work married for 20 years we should probably <laughs> invest emotionally in each other now yeah, yeah if yeah. only we knew if only we knew but there is a level of the fact that you said you could sit down and just have a conversation i think a lot of people have the idea that we have nothing in common and it's like oh boy if you only look at us as who we have sex with that might be true even then i want to talk to lesbians about who what other lesbians i think are i don't know they, it, you're you already broke it by the first time you met by like, yes, we can sit down and have a conversation that lasts for hours. Yeah, and it really did. I mean, it was it was it was very easy for us to talk to each other. Uh, but again, I think part of that is you know Derek and I are just two very social people, and I've never and Derek will tell you he's moved around a lot, so he's used to new and awkward situations <laughs> like starting over again. And even I am because my siblings were all so much older than me that I often was thrown into conversations with people who were much older than I was mm -hmm. from the time I was a little kid. So, you know, having a conversation with a total stranger for me has never been hard. It's never been challenging. I actually kind of find it exciting and fun. And I've always gravitated towards gay men. I think uh, gay men are fascinating. I love hearing about all the things that only gay guys do, like bathhouses and weird <laughs> shit like that. I'm so into, like, understanding it and wanting to know more, and I've always just had a very curious mind. So put me in a situation like that. I'm just going to ask a ton of inappropriate questions. Excellent. Yeah. That's perfect. So I, I, I wanted to ask, like, you, say, you said work husband and work wife uh, about each other uh, a couple of times now. There's that old adage, though, that, like, the longer a couple is together, the more they look and act and talk like each other. Is, is that true? Are you converging into, like, the same person uh, after all these years? God, I hope not. Derek, if I'm turning <laughs> no. into you, I'm scared. The, uh... only, the only thing, so I will make references on the show like oh, a yeah, pop culture true. asides and everything. And Romaine definitely picks those up. I steal then, them all the time. I steal yeah, them all the time. She, she doesn't even know where they came from. She doesn't know what they're a reference to. She just like, it seeps into her brain and then it comes out. Uh, but this is true actually about a lot of things about Romaine, whether it's like business, like marketing or uh, business strategies and that kind of thing. Like we'll sit down and I will talk to her about like a marketing strategy or a business strategy or how something is structured, whatever. And she'll like, I half the time I think she's not even listening, but then we'll have a meeting <laughs> with other people and she will regurgitate it perfectly as if she just came up with it herself. And part of me is like furious and jealous of like, how dare she? I'm the one who told her that. But on the other side, I think, you know, what an asset I don't have to, constantly be explaining things because Romaine picked it up and now 
she is running with it and you know this is helping both of us uh move forward but recently she also has started wearing shorts which i oh, God, you know, I, know i wear shorts everywhere and i don't he... like to wear pants uh or, or dress up in any way and so now she wears shorts too yeah he has rubbed off on me in that way which is irritating <laughs> i anytime i do pick up a Derek habit i'm like oh <laughs> why why <laughs> so irritating back to the like picking up ideas and running with them there is this idea of the just in charge lesbian that gets shit done and yeah. she has a look about her and she well, has a haircut that we can recognize it's a shorter hair like do, uh, romaine are you like you're kind of describing that is do you fit that stereotype and how do you feel I'm about that stereotype yeah, yeah yeah no i well i like to think of myself as like a mama bear mm. um and i will chew your head off if you piss me off or you get in my way <laughs> but for the most part i i tend to run a lot of the things about um the physical space of our business. So like the studios, I manage all the interns and the, and the staff. And I, you know, I tell them what to do and where to do it and how to do it. And uh, so I definitely fit that bill a lot. I do know though, when I need to shut my pie hole and uh, let Derek make some decisions. Cause I, I don't, I can't pretend like I make all of them, but uh, yeah, I definitely am one of those lesbians. I'm very bossy. I'm very controlling. And I like things done in a certain way. And if they're not done in that way, I can get a little irritated. Hmm. So I definitely feel like I do fit that stereotype. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, you know, <laughs> I get shit done. So I'm going to say it's good. I mean, I think there is a good <laughs> association. Like, you know, I want a lesbian that's going to get shit done. And there's there are some times where even good stereotypes can be frustrating because then you have. I don't know that there can be something you have to fulfill or like <laughs> the incompetent lesbians feel bad about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I gotta say the one thing I do hate is that I'm very handy. Like I can build shit. I can mm. fix shit. I can, and I hate this not just at work, but at home with my wife because I'm the only one that can ever fix anything. So if something breaks a chair at the studio, let's say, or uh, something here at the house, I have to fix it. And it makes me furious. I'm like, why can't, anybody else do this shit why am i the only one i cannot say because then i'm like always feel like i have to do all this extra work and i'm like you know what i'm lazy i don't want to do all this extra work how about somebody else learn how to do something around here yeah 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 that is i think that the best and worst thing about our relationship because romaine and i are both somewhat bossy somewhat picky but we both have different skill sets that complement each other. Yeah. And so we're happy to seed, you know, part of whatever it is to the other person, to their judgment and whatever. I think, you know, they, I, the key to any successful relationship is if, if it's not super important to you, let it go. Let the other person decide because it's not worth getting into a fight over. But to Romaine's point, the worst part is the part where one of us will be highly specialized in a part of our business and the other person can't do it or somebody else can't do it. And when a, it's a crucial part of your business and like our business is going to succeed or fail today if this doesn't get done. It's just a lot of stress on one individual person. So sometimes you're like, I've got this. This is great. And then other times when it's like that, you're like, how come I'm the only person who could do this one thing? And uh, it's frustrating. But and it's frustrating on both sides because sometimes yeah. you're like, God, I wish I could help you, but I don't right. know how. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't do this thing you can do. 
Uh, so yeah. in that case, you just have to kind of be, you know, give the other person space, be emotionally supportive, take other things off their plate that you can take off to help out where you can. And I mean, you've built up such a big, strong, loyal fan base. You are often the benchmark for comparative, but that's not part of this conversation. Um, but <laughs> I'm curious if um, I'm curious if any listeners have said anything about the gay lesbian friendship that you have. Well, they love it. I think that, you know, it's funny because one of the things we've learned over the years is, you know, we used to try to have like big guests on the show and exciting things and all this crap. And um, the listeners would be like, nope, we don't want that. Nope. Mm -mm. what they really love is the dynamic between the two of us like that's what we've learned that's what they love that's what they get excited about that's what they're there for and so in many ways our show has changed a lot especially since we went out on our own to really you know focus in more on what it is they want from us and what they expect from us and it really is this brother, sister, husband, wife, dysfunctional family <laughs> uh, conversation that the two of us have on the daily that is often hot nonsense, but they love it. And, it, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's a lot of fun to do because Derek and I just get to be dumb and do a lot of dumb things. <laughs> I want what I just what I do on the show to be described as hot nonsense. I love that. <laughs> That's basically what we do, right, Derek? Yeah, it definitely makes our uh, lives easier uh, because I, I mean it's you know I'm I'm always seeing two sides of everything, uh, but in this case, on the one hand, there are parts of our job that are really easy for us. We really are. We're not digging a ditch. We're not curing cancer. We're sitting in a room and we're yakking at each other and swearing and fart jokes and whatever. It's pretty base. And as as ways to make a living, it's a pretty nice way to work. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's great. The downside of it is that no one thinks we have a job. <laughs> the whole true. time we've had a radio show, nobody thought this was like a job. It's like, no, but what do you really do? Like, this is what we do. This is what our job is. And all the time it's like, oh, all you do is talk. You're not really working. And since we had to launch our own thing, our Sirius XM canceled our show after 12 years. Uh, shows get canceled. That's normal. But we, we decided to keep the show going on our own. We've never worked so hard in our lives in the last yeah. six years mm. uh, because we've had to do everything ourselves. And we had to launch our own satellites. We didn't do that. <laughs> but to, you know, all of the other things that we depended on other people for, we've had to ship for ourselves. And in some ways, it's been very gratifying because you have a lot of feeling of accomplishment about that. But it's also frustrating when there isn't somebody else to do something and you know they at when we worked at a big corporation if there was a technical issue and the studio went down and we couldn't do our show it's like well bye call <laughs> me when you get this fixed i'm leaving and our you know my paycheck did not depend on us ever having the show you know come back uh versus now if we have a problem in the studio or we're not broadcasting you know we have nobody to blame or turn to but ourselves mm -hmm. and it's you know it's it's a lot of pressure but it's uh very satisfying I will say, though, to the part about the audience, uh, I think part of why we've been so successful with our loyal audience is from the very beginning, Derek and I have looked at our audience, um, I think, in ways that a lot of podcasters and even like national syndicated shows on like satellite radio and such haven't where we looked Derek will tell you, he looks at it in a, you know, radio is a local thing. And so we used to go out to hundreds of pride events 
and we would MC the main stage and we would develop these one-on-one relationships with listeners in different cities. And the cities we went to the most often, we have just a really strong and loyal audience to this day in those cities. And, you know, we also spend a lot of time finding ways that we can bring our audience together because podcasting is a very solo activity. You're not listening to podcasts generally with a large group of people. Maybe if you're in the car and there's one other person in the car, you're listening together, but it's not a social thing generally. And we have really tried to crack that wide open and say, no, 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 there are ways that this can be a social thing. We've, you know, we've got a chat room that people hang out in while we're doing the live show and they generally are not even chatting about us. I don't even know if they're actually listening, (laughs) but they're there and they're hanging out. And occasionally I'll see them say some shady thing about us. Um, (laughs) You have a a cruise. You have a, we do. We cruise with our listeners uh, a couple times a year. Usually we'll go on these big cruises with a few hundred listeners and they're super fun. And it's kind of become like um, summer camp. (laughs) <laughs> where everyone gets there and they're so excited to see Derek and Romaine. And that lasts for about two seconds. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, my best friend arrived. Bye, bitch. And they're <laughs> off. And, like, and that happens. I mean, it, literally by day two, Derek and I might as well be invisible. It's like we're not even on the ship. They don't they don't care about us. They don't. I often Derek will tell you, I'm often begging people to have dinner with me. I'm like, I'm all alone here. Can someone just have dinner with me? Like it gets a little crazy, but we yep. really do try to bring the listeners together. For a couple of narcissistic windbags like us, it is a real <laughs> emotional letdown when you're on a like a fan event, like a cruise with 200 people, and you're literally up and down the aisle. Does anyone want to eat with me? Will anyone have dinner with me? I'm so lonely. You know, but uh, to me, I feel like that is uh, a big key to our success um, as a as a show and as a business. That because uh, Gawker did a piece on the Paula Dean. Uh, cruise a couple of years ago and the people who went on it you know they sat in a room and Paula Dean came came in and she waved some pots and pans around and waved at everyone and ran off and then the rest of the time they were just sort of like well what are we supposed to do with our time we're here you know what are we supposed to do and so for us it has been important to build a community around the rest of the people who are on the cruise so they're meeting each other and connecting and because they're coming as listeners of our show even though they're from different parts of the U.S. and Canada, they're sharing our sensibility, our sense of humor. So they will meet somebody who is, you know, they're a gay man uh, who lives, uh, in, you know, in Seattle, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, just sort of randomly. And then a lesbian from Phoenix. And then they meet on the boat. But it turns out they have a lot more in common because they share our sensibility, our sense of humor. Yeah. And they become friends for life. We had a lesbian couple and a gay couple that uh, met on our cruises that became friends. And one of the lesbians needed a kidney and one of the gay guys gave her a kidney. Holy shit. I mean, this is, this is yeah. an extraordinary like that's an extraordinary extreme example. But, you know, that's the kind of connection that people make. Uh, out of our show and so for us like we can take some credit for it of like well you know our name is on the door but (laughs) the people who are doing that real work of connecting are the listeners with each other oh yeah but it's gays and lesbians coming together via your show that's amazing i was gonna say like we were talking about this because of the two of you having this friendship i didn't know you were like literally doing work of bringing together gays and lesbians Mm -hmm. to fight you're actively battling this stereotype (laughs) Oh, we are. I mean, and it, you know, on the cruises, the cruises actually are very mixed with like 
uh, straight people, gay people, lesbians, and they all hang out together. They have all kind of learned to do this like amazing coexisting, you know, enjoying each other's company kind of thing. And like, you wouldn't believe the friendships that have formed. I, you know, I always say when we go on these uh, trips, when I'm watching listeners who come for the first time to like a DNR cruise, I love it because I can literally watch like magic happen. <laughs> They're there. And then all of a sudden they'll find someone, they'll start talking, they'll start realizing they have all these things in common and like magnets, they come together mm. and they create these super strong friendships. And for many of our listeners, I think that, you know, this is how they find their chosen family. And I think they will describe it like that a lot. Like a lot of them are like, I found my tribe. I found my chosen family by joining this group of people and by finding a community of people who is super open and accepting and caring and wants me to be a part of it. You know, it's not like, um, you know, there are a lot of gay events that happen that are very exclusionary. I think, mm-hmm. you know, whether I'm just going to use this as an example, but like, I think at Atlantis cruise, there's a very specific kind huh. of gay man that goes on an Atlantis cruise. And there's a lot of gay men. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of gay men. And the people that want to fuck them. <laughs> right. But there's a lot of gay men who don't feel like they would belong in that environment where, you know, with our community, we're like, no, we want you no matter how you are, what you look like, what it doesn't matter. We just want to be your friend. We want to hang out we want to welcome you into our community and i think um you know it's been surprising to watch some of these friendships form because it's not like the gay bars that are separated it's not like these other things that we've created for our community that that keep us apart we want to bring everyone together and i think by us having this tight friendship that we've developed over the years it shows that not only is it possible but it's kind of awesome when it happens yeah yeah I mean, uh, this is a challenge to our listeners. Uh, listeners, if you have a spare kidney yeah. to prove that, that you all are just as dedicated, I'm going to need you to proactively have it removed and just put it on ice yeah. and wait for someone who says they need it. Post office box 19882, <laughs> Seattle, Washington, 98109. Um, Newsflash, gayest, way, I'm gonna show gayest you listener found in bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great I'm promotion for us. I'm you guys a picture us. on our camera, but these are actually the listeners when they went and got their surgery oh that's adorable yeah so i keep it here in my studio i have a i have a shelf of my favorite things here in the studio and it's literally things like that things that you know are demonstrations of the listeners and the things that they've brought into our lives and the things we've shared together just as a reminder because some days you know you get tired you're like oh why am i doing this today Mm -hmm. i just just want to take a nap but then you look up and you're like oh yeah there are these listeners out there that they're really great and we want to give them the best show possible that's great. To put a button on this, you know, since Romaine name-checked Atlantis Cruises, I have gone on Atlantis many times. I've had a blast. I have a lot of friends who go on. Uh, it's a great experience. We're doing something different. And I think the one of the best things that I have seen uh, being out now for 30 years uh, is that we have a lot more options and choices now, uh, you know, in terms of shows we can listen to or watch, vacations that we can take people we can become friends with we don't have to only know the one other gay person in our town and then we are forced to become friends or boyfriends <laughs> because there isn't anybody else around we have lots of other options uh, but it also broadens our audience is one thing that we ourselves saw there are people who like one of us more than the other one <laughs> but ultimately 
we reach a lot more people because we're individuals who are reaching people who then put up with the other one. Um, yes, that's so, totally true. And sometimes it, within a relationship, one person will like one of us more than the other. That's totally fine. Um, I just got an email from one of our listeners because uh, uh, Romaine, something had happened where she like had, she was doing a home improvement project. And there were nails like in the ground. And I was like, uh, nobody wants to get a nail in their foot. Jesus. And uh, anyway, so I got an email from a, a, one of our listeners and she's like, I thought that was hilarious. And then I told my wife and she didn't think it was that funny. <laughs> so, you know, that to me completely sums up our show. Uh, you know, one person is like, I'm super into this. And then the other person is like, well, I guess I'm along for the ride. My own wife, by the way. When I met my wife, she hated me. She thought I was obnoxious and horrible, and she was a huge Derek fan. She came to an event to meet Derek, and then that I forced myself upon her, as I am inclined to do with Sexually. cute girls. And next thing you know, now she loves me, and it's Derek who. Because wow. I couldn't eat her pussy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. Romaine went in for the kill. I, I, yeah, I think I might have friends in or at, by way of Mike. <laughs> you friends with Mike, so now you kind of have to be friends with me too. Although I didn't realize that we should be using our live events as like a way to hunt for husbands. That's like you yes, knew girl. that you've i i've seen i've seen some things you've said okay okay before we take a break i wanted to do a rapid fire friendship challenge are you are you are you too ready for this i mean i okay. guess okay the friendship way is on the line the way this is the way this is going to go is i will say one of your names and then i will ask you a question about the other person by the way i made this up on the fly like while we're while we're sitting here so you didn't it's, have to it's, say it's, that it's, it's gonna are, go great you always had this planned i like spontaneity let's do it okay great and then and then uh, you you have to say yes or no whether that answer is correct, uh, okay? And and then okay. you, you'll each get the same five questions, and then uh, we'll we'll see we'll see who wins. Are you ready? <laughs> who wins yeah. the friendship? Okay, we're so competitive. Derek, you go to a bar and you order Romaine a drink. What is it? Uh, probably a beer. Romaine, would that be your preference? Yeah, it would help if he knew what kind of beer I drink. But sure. Uh, the a the beer. judges say we need more information to clarify what kind of yeah. beer. Yeah, what kind of I'm beer? I'm going Derek? to say our sponsor, Miller Lite. <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Romaine. Yes. Who is Derek's celebrity crush? Meredith Vieira. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's Groff. It's Jonathan Groff. It's Jonathan Groff. Derek. Uh, both of those answers are acceptable. <laughs> okay, great. I love Meredith Vieira. I love her. Uh, Derek. Yes, I want to have sex with Jonathan Groff. Okay, yes. Meredith Vieira, can she watch? <laughs> Derek, what color are Romaine's eyes? Uh, brown, hazel, Romaine. Brown, they're yeah. brown. They're brown. Uh, we'll count them. Okay, Romaine. Can you name one of Derek's parents? Uh, Tracy, Bjorn, and then there's the biological dad who we don't talk about. Yeah, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Great. I'm a star. Uh, that was very good. <laughs> uh, Derek, what yes. is Romaine's favorite television show? Uh, well, she's watching a lot of different uh, shows. How about a current one that I'm watching right now? Okay, right now she's watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer rewatch with her uh, child. But if I had to pick a Romaine's all-time favorite show that I know that she will watch again in the future, uh, I'm going to say Battlestar Galactica. 100%. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Romaine. Yes. What do you order Derek at a bar? What what's his drink? At a bar. Okay, if I first of all, Derek doesn't really drink at bars, but if I'm ordering him a drink, he's gonna or, 
I'm going to order him a sex on the beach. Derek? That, that, uh, that is correct, although they, it's always like the spelling of my name. It's always made wrong. Yeah, they never and uh, they everybody nobody there is no one definitive um, recipe for a sex on the beach apparently because every time you go to a bar they're putting some weird shit in it. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I'm true. always disappointed. It's always a crapshoot. You never know if he's actually going to drink it or not. But, but then again, he barely drinks. So and but this is not rapid fire. But the reason that I don't drink so much is that the <laughs> listeners want to see me as a mean drunk because uh-huh. I will like Karen Walker like call people backpack whatever when i'm drunk and so they want to see it but then i'll be mean to them and then we won't have a business so uh, <laughs> i gotta dial it back but they they all the time they're like oh insult me it's like you really do not want my insult oh, God. people make you feel bad about yourself yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um derek can you n- name romaine's parents any of them oh betty and carl yeah. and she grew up on betty and carl street it's true i did uh, my dad, her built, dad the built her house oh. i know R- romaine what color are derek's eyes Blue. Derek, uh, who's Romaine's celebrity crush? Uh, well, she really loves Trisha Helfer. I but do. in a pinch, she will have a three-way with Trisha Helfer and Katie Sackhoff. That's true. And if I need a third, you could throw Eliza Dushku in there, too. Just for oh, yeah, fun. Sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? Throw them all in. Yeah, just throw all the hot girls. That's all I need. A friend of mine went to junior high with Katie Sackhoff. He sat behind her in English class. I guess she was really nice. Um, And then last Romaine, what is Derek's favorite television show? Uh, I'm going to say Old Man Questions is the show that he watches the most frequently. So I'm going to put that as his favorite show. And that is Jeopardy. Derek. I do. Yes, that is correct. I watch Jeopardy every day. I have very strong opinions about the way that people play Jeopardy, about their uh, final bet. And uh, my dream is to go on Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Excellent. See, I know. Well, I know my husband. <laughs> yeah, you two crushed it. That's I know, 100%. I'm, look, five I'm looking at the scoreboard and you tied, which is like very adorable and, you know, a little bit annoying because I like it when one person wins and the other person loses. But, you know, can't have it all. Well, Derek and Romaine together are winners. That's right. Cool. That's... Okay, that just made me tick in my own mouth. Yeah. Cool. Okay, and with that, we both throw up in our mouths together. Cool. <laughs> That's a beautiful sentiment. Sh- should we should we take a break and clean up all this vomit? Let's, let's yeah. take a break. <laughs> let's swallow. Let's take a break. <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So, are we back? We're back. We're back. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, Derek and Romaine of Derek and Romaine on the Derek and Romaine Network. Uh, where can people find out more about you, what you're up to? Tell us all the things. Well, uh, there is a monument to our egos at dnrstudios.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We're DNR Show on Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram, DNR Show uh, on Instagram. And if you are curious about our upcoming travel and events, if we have not freaked you out too much, uh, you can go to dnrtravel.com. We have a bunch of cruises that are coming up, including one that's leaving out of Vancouver, British Columbia in June of 2023. And we are hoping uh, to meet in person some uh, popular local podcast hosts. Yeah. Well, if, in town. you'll have to let us know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to meet them. <laughs> Maybe you'll find a husband there. <laughs> well, or well, meet a lesbian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we do need some more we, lesbian yes. friends. Yeah. <laughs> Lesbians. <laughs> You don't have to. You you will opt you out of the kidney thing if you be our friends. 
That's how this works. <laughs> well, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are on social media at Gayish Podcast. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails, is 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. Our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. And our physical mailing address for those kidneys is post office box <laughs> 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Um, yeah, it's gayest to straightest time. D- do you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So the, the straightest thing about me this week, I went to a bar and it was a jazz club hmm. and there was a sea of straight people who were clearly drooling over this performer who like, you could just kind of tell that like all of the ladies had banged him. Like it, it, there was only like maybe a half a dozen people in the entire place. Anyway, it was the most unlistenable non-music shit I've ever heard. I'm going to play you a clip here. Oh, great. Yeah, let's hear. It is, it is, it is absolutely... Wild! It was just this cacophony of random sounds. You and accidentally going, played two tracks at the same time. Exactly. Okay. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> He's making all these noises with his with his face. Anyway, it was just awful. And um, then the uh, the the gayest thing about me this week is I ran out of jock straps. <laughs> I, How does that happen? I, I I used all of them. And how many uh, do you have? Well, like four. <laughs> Well, that's clearly not enough. I know, right? I need I need to go jockstrap shopping, or we need a jockstrap sponsor. So, and you don't hook up with guys who think it's hot to have like dirty, sweaty jockstraps. Oh, we date different. We fuck different. We people. we fuck different people. Uh, <laughs> okay. How about you, Kyle? What's what's yours? Um, my gayest is I bought a just big carton, like big thing of iced coffee, and that way I could have iced coffee every morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just. Diving right into that stereotype. Yep. Uh, the straightest is I'm no longer... I feel like with the iced coffee, it's usually a Starbucks iced coffee. Mm-hmm. And I'm angry at Starbucks for shutting down places because of, of quote-unquote safety. Yeah, the safety of unions. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not Starbucks. It's an off-brand, which that's... Gay people like their like their brands. Yeah. Yeah. Romaine, how about you? What's your gayest the straightest? All right. Well, let me tell you the gayest thing I did. Yeah. So I'm a super lesbian and we've already established I know how to fix things. So <laughs> I um, we had a leaky sink in our kitchen and then the pipe felt literally fell off. And so I went to the Homo Depot. I got all the parts. I came home, turned myself into a pipe laying plumber and fixed that sink. And now it works perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Lay that pipe. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then my straightest thing uh, literally just happened. I went to a concert where I tailgated in the parking lot with a barbecue grill and some seats at a tent. And we were parked right next door to a Trump flag flying oh. pickup truck. And uh, the concert I went to was for Kenny Chesney. It was a good oh. old country concert. Oh, man. And I went all in. And I hung out with all those super, super straight people who were 
uh, in love with a guy that I believe might be gay. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Kenny Chesney the one I would pick if you just said name a stereotypically straight <laughs> concert? You you did the example. Like, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Derek, bring us home. Okay, well, I'm going to go a little rogue here and uh, give uh, uh, general uh, answers because your audience is getting to know us. But, sure. Uh, but I will I will say the gayest thing that I did. Oh, this is terrible. Was uh, a friend of mine is an airline pilot. Oh, I hope he doesn't hear this. Anyway, a friend of mine is an airline pilot, and he had a surprise layover uh, in New York, uh, where we live, uh, this weekend. And he's like, hey, I'm in town. Surprise for three days. Let's hang out. And I was like, I can't. So that is 100% the gayest thing uh, that I've done in the last few days. Is- yay. Uh, refuse to leave the house to see somebody who's only in town for a brief amount of time. Uh, but in general, the gayest thing about me is my walk. Uh, you might have seen recently this crow uh, went viral, I think, on TikTok for its like sassy walk on a thing. Anyway, that's me. I yep. think I'm constantly on a runway, me and Naomi Campbell stomping it out. Great. Uh, so that's definitely the gayest thing about me. And I see some confirmation about... from Ramey. I'm getting some oh, head now. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, straightest thing about me is I am a raging homophobe. Not about oh, myself. This is true. Oh, I love myself. I think I'm the greatest. But other gay people, ugh, I can't. I can't with them. Focus <laughs> on the family doesn't have anything on my homophobia. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> one of our one of our listeners recently moved to my neighborhood, and. Uh, he just walked by with his dog, and I almost like opened the window and was like, "Bag, neighborhood." <laughs> anyway, so I'm pretty bad like that, but like on Jeopardy, when there's like a clearly gay guy, and then he's like, "Oh, and my wife and I," I'm like, "Wife? Yeah, I'm terrible." <laughs> so uh, that's probably the straightest thing about me. Sorry, straights. Sorry, straights. <laughs> and, and sorry, gays a little bit, you know? <laughs> oh, no, no, definitely yes. gays are very sorry to know me. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you both for being on this show with us, two gay men. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like you. Oh, oh, oh okay. Hello. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you both for being on. We really appreciate it. You uh, started doing podcasting before podcasting was a thing. So we appreciate everything you've done. Thanks. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Also, thank you to our super gappers, Josh Crowley, Stephen Porch, Joe Stosel, Harry Stog, Josh Copeland, Jonathan Martinez, Ooh. Forrest Nail, Patrick Martin Anonymous, James Barrow, Steve Douglas, Explosive Zanya, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Tipsy McSummels, Donald Linsky, Thomas Vita, Sanze, Coleman, Chris Cachetorian, and Jerome York. That's it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Ketchatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Goodbye. See you next week. Need a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> Bring a lesbian to next week's episode. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> Fine. We could get the background scoop on how much you. I don't hate Derek. Only he hates me. I don't know why he's always selling me up this river, but it's not very nice.